you like movies that I'm here to say, then this is the show for you, okay? It's called the best movie to a Jimmy Allen tone, so don't touch that dial, turn off your phone. Grab a sweet song, mix of popping corn, from Rosebud to Laughter to Jason Bourne, Meryl Streep to Kirk Russell to Dennis Hopper, and don't forget, y'all, Guys of the Chopper! So, welcome back to the Best Movie 2 pod, the podcast that answers any given situation that might arise and this week we are doing what is the best movie to watch from nicholas cage's uber is that right is that the right word uber over uh dyson hoover i think it is i'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure so we've got daryl back from uh, the cage rage podcast hi daryl hello hello thank you for having me back have you had a good week since we last spoke uh, a full uh, calendar week ago it's been good monday has gone through to sunday a week has happened uh still alive guess that's all right so uh we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive today on uh mm-hmm. on a on an actor or actress uh that you want to talk about now given that you uh you run a a nicholas cage podcast and a willem defoe podcast um also though it could have been anyone what what was your choice today uh well it was down to a choice of two um but i felt like i'd be slightly more in my lane to sort of stick to what i know about and uh, have a little chat about uh, the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, <laughs> Mr. Nicholas Cage. So, I mean, I did ask you to do Angela Lansbury, but you refused, um, even though we could have talked about Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast for, you know, <laughs> until next week's recording. Um, but yeah, we go with Nicholas Cage, yeah? Yeah, I mean, oh. she writes too much about murder. At some point, she's got <laughs> to wind her neck in. I mean, that last one just was, I did it in blood. Um, <laughs> yeah just written in blood and shit <laughs> lost the, lost her fucking mind in the last episode <laughs> just got a decapitated head next to her i told you every week why do you think i kept fucking showing up <laughs> begging for to be put down begging for someone to stop the bloodlust and the voices <laughs> have you ever watched an episode of murder she wrote i think I used to once upon a time when it was just like what BBC One or something, BBC Two. Um, it's been a long time since I uh, watched a write about the murders she and confess. Was, yeah, she was the first like true crime podcaster who just exploited you know, a real tragedy to make money off that. She never turned to like the victims, <laughs> fr- family, and friends and went, "Do you mind if I make a quick book off this?" By the way, <laughs> Angela Lansbury's a fucking leech. <laughs> Yeah, I said it. I fucking said it. <laughs> and this has got to be the record for our quickest into a tangent that we've had for, for an episode. <laughs> Should we go back to uh, Nicholas Coppola, aka Nicholas Cage? Um, so you, so, you, you, like you've, is it how long have you been running the, the Nicholas Cage podcast, the Cage Rage? Uh, I suppose at the point of recording, it's been three and a half years including the breaks sort of at the point of recording i'm caught up so just waiting for new films to come out now but mm. um it's been it's it's seen me go from a cage lad into a cage man <laughs> well i mean you'll be fine for episodes because he's got six movies coming out in 2023 i know and uh three of them already covered uh <laughs> we, you know i'm just sweating at the moment jonesing for the next fix uh retirement plans coming up butcher's crossing is finally coming out um he debuted at tiff in 2022 and then just nothing for a year that's finally coming out we've got dream scenario which is uh he's finally teaming with a24 thank christ trailers out it looks 
very dream, good. Dream scenario looks that that's what's great about Nicolas Cage. Like he it's it's mad because he's got a foot in both um you know, like he, he did the straight to DVD thing that like John Cusack and Bruce Willis did. And then insanely he'll just come back and do like a huge Hollywood movie. And it's it's like his star power never waned because it he chooses to do the the straight to DVD films or the straight to streaming films it, it, mm. it's like a it's like he's he's been pushed off off like the the high rise of hollywood but he just keeps landing on like a balcony and going no i'm, I'm actually still in this baby don't worry he's <laughs> <laughs> like we're back baby Dust, <laughs> dusting off his shoulders so what what is it about nick cage that you i assume you love him and it's not each episode is just god this piece of shit look what he's doing in this film <laughs> well they won't want to listen to our episode that we did then uh, <laughs> um it's kind of a weird thing because like i'd always sort of liked him from um i think as a teenager there was kind of an ironic joy to him i think like everyone um however long it would have been when that video came out on youtube uh called nicholas cage losing his shit which was just like a three minute video of out of context clips of nicholas cage whining and screaming and swearing and shouting and for the longest time that was my absolute fucking favorite video on youtube um and then i'd sort of always like enjoyed him as an actor but then he was always one of those people where if you sort of tell people that you like nicholas cage they're like what what really like you you actually you really like nicholas cage like everyone thinks you like him ironically um, until you make a podcast and be like, no, I'm three years deep into this. <laughs> I've invested I, five grand. <laughs> I've got Stockholm Syndrome, all right? Um, I've lost so much money on this. Um, but um, I, I thought, generally thought like he always makes interesting choices. Do they always pay off? Not always. Look, I was there for the straight-to-DVD stretch. No one's been more in the trenches than this guy. Okay, I've I, I've seen like the dregs. Um, I, and if I, it, isn't it like legally he has to say yes to pr- stuff because of like tax evasion? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to trap myself in any kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, open myself up to any lawsuit. But he, I think there was like a, a kind of tax dodge, and he's not allowed to say no to jobs, pretty much. Or I don't know if he's paid that off yet. He had to sell his T Rex skull, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so it's this whole like messy thing where he. Um, I think in part because of like a, a not great accountant as well, made some sort of bad investments. Um, there was that whole thing with the T-Rex school where it turned out it still actually belonged to like a country, but he sort of bought it from like a black marketplace. Um, he bought like a number of like castles and stuff around like the world. Um, and because of like some issues, uh, the money sort of dried up. So he had to take like a lot of movies to sort of pay off that bill, which he did last year. It is that sounds like such a defensive thing for me to say. Like, I swear, I swear he's good for the money. All right. Uh, There's a part he, of me that kind of feels sad about that, though. Like, if if it's all paid off, does that mean we're still getting, we're still going to get, you know, the your your, your primal, your kill chain, your your, your looking glass? <laughs> I mean. In part of that, some of it was to like pay it off. But I think when you listen to interviews, or should I say, when you've 
rabbit holed yourself into as many interviews as I have, you sort of realize that he's he's one of these people that even though, like, let's be honest, the man's an A-lister and he's um, an Academy Award winner. He's uh, won the most blockbuster movie awards before they closed down um, because... <laughs> Because it was a direct correlation to like 9-11. They couldn't do the Blockbuster Awards anymore because it was held in New York. So thanks, terrorism. Um, <laughs> another victim claimed. Um, Bush he, knew about the Blockbuster Awards. <laughs> there's that meme of that guy like whispering into like Bush's ear and is like, uh, <laughs> Mr. President, the Blockbuster Awards have been cancelled. <laughs> it's had to run off. A second best kiss by Toby Maguire has been awarded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a second best duo has been awarded to a Sean Connery. <laughs> um, but he's, he's one of these people that he doesn't see himself as like a celebrity. He sees himself as an actor, even though he's nearing like, like 60 now. Um, he's still like a student of the game. He still wants to learn. And I think very recently um, he says, you know, I'm, I want to go back to how I started. And that's to be like independent movies. I want to work with like younger filmmakers um mm. and that's why you get movies um like your pigs um that stuff as well which again nicholas cage should have been on the shortlist for awards for pig i'm still livid that he wasn't um yeah i think the the issue with pig was the marketing was oh it's it's nicholas cage's john wick and it wasn't that at all yeah hogwick yeah <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, then, then people went and have this like melancholic film about sort of cooking and, um, you know, introspective looking for your pig and like, the, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And people weren't ready for just what, <laughs> just what a nuanced and beautiful film that it was. So, you know, that's that, you know, as much as I enjoy the John Wick films, uh, cheers for nothing, Keanu Reeves, you, <laughs> you, you bum. You got in the way of Nicolas Cage's uh, Oscar, um, possible Oscar uh, contender. What do you think he's doing? Anything? I know he, he won for Leaving Las Vegas, didn't he? But mm-hmm. is, there, is there anything else that you think he should have been nominated for? And he's been he's been robbed. Um, well, he got nominated for adaptation in was it the two thousand three two thousand two awards, mm-hmm. and then I think he lost in like the big three sort of um, like Oscars, Golden Globes and BAFTAs too. I can't remember who got what, but there was Adrian Brody, I think got one for The Pianist. Daniel Day-Lewis got one for Gangsters of New York, maybe. And Jack Nicholson got one for... Just being Jack Nicholson. Being old man. um, (laughs) Being old man in film. So they're all officially on my shit list. Um, I've always been a big champion of his 2013 film, Joe. Um which I think gets unfairly dismissed and overlooked quite a lot because this came... 2013 was kind of an interesting year because he did uh, Frozen Ground, The Croods, and Joe, which was kind of this... It was a good year for Cage, but it comes just after, I think, the second Ghost Rider, which I think was like his last big cinematic release before the sort of DVD um, era came in. So it kind of got slept on by a lot of people, but... Joe's one of those performances where, um, and I've said it on my podcast before, and I kind of hate using this as a way to describe it, like one of those movies you show people when you need to remind them that he's a really fucking good actor. Um, this was kind of like his pig performance before pig, 
So if you've like if you've seen Pagum and really like sort of touched by the performance, then you're like you'd really sort of dig Joe as well. And uh, yeah, a real shame that got overlooked by the award bodies. Yeah, you kind of feel like um, like maybe before each film, he goes to the director, he goes, "Which Nicholas Cage do you want in this?" And with Joe, they were like, "We want, you know, acting Nicholas Cage." It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Like he, yeah, he's an anomaly because he's still got the potential to still absolutely smash out a performance. Like as much as I love um, Samuel L. Jackson. I don't think Samuel Jackson has played anyone apart from Samuel Jackson in the last twenty years. You know? <laughs> no, no. At this at this point, I think he you must have oh, we're thinking about this kind of take on the character, and he will just in Samuel L. Jackson fashion call you a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, Sam is the Lego movie. You're playing the Riddler. I got a motherfucking riddle for you, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I just I don't I don't think there's anybody else who's managed to do this. It's like they all they've all gone off the slip road. Like John Travolta just do, just makes Jock now, even though I do believe John Travolta can act. You know, we've all seen Michael where he plays an angel, uh, and mm. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Gotti. They've got like the worst uh, Rotten Tomatoes score anyone can possibly get. But I I don't see a path back for John Travolta, whereas Nick Cage always. He'll do like five movies in a row that awful, and then he'll go. I've I've done my actor movie for the year, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like as we said, he's like I'm back, baby. Um, <laughs> not that I mean, it's good for like Cage because I think, especially with um, I think Mandy sort of kickstarted the sort of Cage reconnaissance, if you like. Um, people sort of talking about him again, and everyone sort of got you know really swept up in like the Mandy train. Um, and then you um, sort of get pig, and then everyone's talking about that. And then the unbearable weight of massive talent comes out, and it's always big, sort of big screen release that comes back. Um, obviously, he was in a voice in Spider Verse as well. Hmm. Um, he's still beloved, like he's still, he, he, even though he's he's done all these performances that are like huge and and memeable. Um, I think when he does stuff like unbearable weight of massive talent it's like he's literally saying to the audience like look i know who you think i am i get it yeah he's absolutely someone and he said it in interviews before he's kind of like people think that i'm not in on this like joke about me but i'm very very aware i think even recently for the um it sort of debuted at the toronto international film festival for 2023 the dream scenario he even brought up the Nicolas Cage losing his shit video. And he was like, he was like, well, I don't like it, but there's nothing I can do about it. And now all this time later, this uh, film comes about, out about how we are perceived by other people. It's like, finally I can channel something into that. Um, mm. And I think he's been spotted. Like there's that Nicolas Cage, like meme face from vampires kiss, where he's doing those really wide eyes. And, <laughs> and he's been spotted wearing like a t-shirt of that before in the past. It's like, he knows, <laughs> he knows what people say about him. Um, and I've always said, if I ever met him and he's like, I know who you are. Stop. <laughs> I've had many celebrities say that to me. Um, <laughs> but I'm still gonna, you know, I'm still gonna come to every gig, Natasha Bedingfield, until you tell me to stop. I'm coming. Um, stop sending me personalized <laughs> bottles of grease. And, and I'll wear high vis at every gig and try to get backstage. Um, <laughs> Security yeah, well, will lapse one day. Is that is that the dream then to get Nicholas Cage onto your podcast one day? 
I think that'll be the ultimate goal. Um, so I, I know like um, a friend of mine who does like another Nicholas Cage podcast, um, shout out to Caged In, he's reached out to Nicholas Cage's management before and has been sort of shut down and said, oh, Nicholas Cage isn't really interested in doing podcasts. Um, so he, he's kind of like the white whale of um, mm. <laughs> of the independent podcasting scene. <laughs> From hell's heart, I pod at you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just in, in the ocean. My shirt is off. <laughs> I'm on my knees waiting for the tide to come and take me in. <laughs> Call me Ishmael. And also don't forget to like and share and uh, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you have you got any uh, that are like absolutely golden to you? Because with Nicolas Cage, I always think I'm not like we'll get to like what what are the top three that we think later on. But I always think it's insane that I, what I call the trifecta um, back in the 90s when he did, in the space of two years, uh, Conor, The Rock, and Face Off. Like, that is insane. Even I don't think Arnie could top that. No, I, I think for a period they were filming, like, Conor and Face Off at the same time as well, which is just insane to me. Um, but it was such a just, like... You look at like the stats and just see like Con Air and the face off coming out within like what two, three weeks of each other. So to be a cinema goer in whenever they came out, 97, 98, you would have been just uh, hemorrhaging. Mm. What a time to be alive. Like I would have only been like what, seven when these came out. So I wouldn't have known any different. But Christ, you, you know, we had it all back in the 90s. We didn't, yeah. we, we didn't realize we, how yeah, good we, we didn't had know. It. Like now when you think like The Rock brings out a film every four months and you go, oh, this is absolute garbage, cool. Um, and another one you go, oh, you've used the same green screen. I think your character's probably the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The Rock, when we're talking about people playing the same character, The Rock, because he's not a man, he's just like a walking franchise <laughs> now. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure The Rock is a person. I think maybe they've used the technology from Simone and you know the rock died years ago doing a stunt and now they just have him that with that one facial expression that he pulls <laughs> they were they were able to um collect his skin and they just like molded it over the body of wolf from gladiators <laughs> 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 that's what the fast and furious franchise is missing is the referee from gladiators to do vin diesel are you ready <laughs> <laughs> It's like, <laughs> contestant, oh, are you ready? Uh, Family. Yeah. They need, like, John Fashnu saying, oh, woo, go. And then uh, Ulrika Johnson just being there because Ulrika Johnson, a halcyon time, truly. Happier times for all of us. Um, <laughs> do you know what's insane? Like, looking at, looking at what he jumps off of after he does the, the trifecta, you got the Rock Conair face off. And like, okay, so you are an action star now. That is what you are. You're an action star. And he moves into like City of Angels, 8mm. He does like bringing out the dead for Scorsese. He just, when he when you expect him to do, like he got he got the the Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. And he's like, okay, I'm off to be an action star. Like you, yeah. you can never, it's like, it's like his agent constantly goes, right, this is the space we need to work in now. And he goes, no, I'm going to do something completely different. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, going through his movies chronologically, this has been like 
almost whiplash-inducing the, the difference in uh, just tone and genre that his movies go to. Because you go from Face Off to City of Angels, where he's just playing an angel that peeps at Meg Ryan. Um, <laughs> and then they have a, you know the classic sex scene in front of the burning fireplace where... He throws her into the fire. He throws her into the fire <laughs> and just starts dabbing. Um, <laughs> they have they have like a sex scene, um, and she's I think she's like mounted him um, because he's literally risked it all for some human puss. Um, and she asks him like, "How is it?" And he's for some reason I can't get this image out of my head. Just Nicholas Cage describing human puss. He says, and I quote, "Warm." Oh. oh. <laughs> I think the original line reading, he goes, ooh, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> Me one wing bag. Boo-hoo. <laughs> and then, I mean, it is, it's based on, is it like Wim Wenders, uh, Wings of Desire, which is like a three-hour black and white, like, um, contemplation on life, um, where City of Angels, for me, is just famous for the Goo Goo Dolls Iris. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in the original one, um, I can't think of his name, um, but the the guy who plays Columbo's in it, I think. Um, which... Oh, um, yeah. Luckily, we can cut out enough dead air where we can think about who is it, Columbo? <laughs> uh, nah, fuck it, we'll leave that in. There you go. We, <laughs> just because I like the idea of people screaming at their phone, like it's obviously this, isn't it? It's a peek behind the curtain, people. You know, Edson can't save everything. But I'm, I like the idea of Columbo in his Columbo voice going, like, oh, how was that for you? He goes, ah, warm. Yeah. <laughs> just just one more sex. Uh, <laughs> just one more push that has been bothering me. <laughs> My wife loves you, push. So, yeah, that. The, what, what do you reckon is the biggest zig that he's done, like zigzag from, like, oh, wow, that's yeah. insane that you've done that to then... Uh, Hmm, that is a good question. I think, I think for, for me, I've, I've found it. It's 2006. He does World Trade Center uh, and then straight into The Wicker Man. Same year. Same year. <laughs> what a year it was as well. What a glorious year it was. You swap them characters and that is a, they're better films on each side. <laughs> Nicholas Cage's firefighter running into the burning wicker man. <laughs> like really noble, really beautiful film. And then in <laughs> How to Get Toppled! How to Get Toppled! <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you could argue. I mean, here here's a fucking like haymaker for you. 1987, there's Raising Arizona, does Moonstruck. He's doing his indies. He's sort of on the verge of breaking through. Moonstruck gets nominations. Uh, 1988, Vampire's Kiss, baby. Uh, I mean, that's that's a. I think if you're a Cage fan, Vampire's Kiss is a high point because it's it's possibly the most insane Cage. It is. It's up there with the cagiest Cage. And I'm seeing Vampire's Kiss enough now, where I I'm a defender of Vampire's Kiss. I do genuinely think it's a good movie because I've seen it enough. Um, then you've also got like. 1993, which is kind of a weird year. He does Amos and Andrew with Samuel L. Jackson, which is kind of a weird, like, one of those you know, white white people, black people, well, not all that different after all kind of movies, <laughs> which kind of really said nothing about anything. 
Um, the very underrated Neo Noir Red Rock West, which has like recently had a re-release, sort of on Blu-ray. Uh, and then he does fucking Deadfall, um, which if you want to see one of the cagiest cages, um, don't watch the film because it's um, objectively bad. I would argue I've seen Deadfall more than any other person on this planet. So what's what's Deadfall about? So it is... I'm going to use this sort of very loosely, a crime drama. It was directed by his um, his brother, Christopher Coppola, um, which I suspect was the reason why Cage took the role. <laughs> and it's about um, Michael Bean's character, who um, basically this um, sting goes wrong. He goes on the run to sort of try and find out um, what's happened because it, he's dad or his, his uncle or something i think it was his dad sorry who dies during this thing he says you gotta find the cake you gotta go find the cake it's a james coburn who plays two characters and then he also plays his uncle as well um and then it's this whole twisted thing and then nicholas cage works as like this fucking crazy goon for his uncle and nicholas cage is this is kind of the epitome of me of like Nicolas Cage being in a completely different movie to everyone else. Um, Cause everyone else is quite restrained, quite dull, quite boring. Um, but Nicolas Cage, um, it, if you haven't seen it, me describing it really does it no justice. So I cannot stress enough. Just Google I'm, Nicolas Cage. I'm just looking fall. at the cast. Like this is insane. Peter Fonda, Talia Shire, Charlie Sheen. Um, and James Coburn, Michael Bean, who like never is bad for me. Oh, I've you've got, not seen Deadfall. Is this is this like? Do you think this is a low point for for Cage? Um, this is a point for Cage, but this is one of those things where he is the best thing in a bad movie because he he escalates it so high with his insanity of his character. But he's only in it for about half of it, and then sort of Charlie Sheen sort of takes over as like the bad guy but Charlie Sheen is so underwhelming in comparison and Michael Bean and like I typically like Michael Bean um but in this movie I think the exact words I used to describe him was he has the charisma of a wet lettuce <laughs> oh no <laughs> so sorry to, I love sorry, Michael Bean sorry to all the Bean fans out there um, yeah, you like my other podcast, Bean Doggers, is uh, just about Michael <laughs> Bean. <Bean-Bobbins. laughs> oh. uh, I mean, I think we're starting to play in a space that we need to come to. So, it, mm-hmm. what are the if you could take three, um, three cage films out of his like uh, his his past body of work just to clean up like what he's doing because he's got 112 mm-hmm. films that he's done. Yeah, no easy task. If I was if I was trying to um, rewrite history, uh, rewrite the narrative of Cage, what would we take out? I mean, obviously you'd leave Vampires Kiss in because you know that was his sort of uh, German expressionistic playing round. He if and he said it before: if we didn't get Vampires Kiss, you wouldn't get Face Off. Um, yeah, so that's like I'd leave Vampires Kissing, and that's why I think you're comfortable taking the Wicker Man out because it's it's same same memes, different face. You know, it's that the Wicker Man gave us a load of hilarious stuff, but you know, it's offensive from a point of view of it was a great 
British uh, folk horror movie that didn't need, uh, you know, an American remake mm. and certainly didn't need a, a 12A or a PG-13 American remake. So, like, my my first one would be The Wicker Man because of that, like, keeping vampires kissing. Yeah, but you are also a coward, though, from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> what I've heard on the allotments about you, Jamie. Um, I think... I mean, this one's completely inoffensive. Um, it's a, a movie you did in 1986. This, this is kind of like a personal one for me. Like, It's called The Boy in Blue, which I've always found to be just not even like a bad like Nicolas Cage performance. It's just a very dull film where it's about um, a, can, uh, a Canadian scholar, a rower called Ned Hanlon, um, who is a good rower, gets better at rowing, until he becomes the best rower. There's just like no drama in it. There's no sort of stakes. He's just good and continues to be good at rowing. It's just <laughs> very, very dull. I've just read the description. Hanlon was one of the first scholars to successfully utilize the sliding seat. <laughs> Is that so if you want to know the origins of the sliding seat in rowing, um, you... <laughs> You go and watch The Boy in Blue. I think maybe if they made that film today, it'd do all right because, you know, we, we've had, like, Facebook the movie. We've had We Work the TV series. Uh, you know, we've had the, the Jordan Air movie. So, you know, it's all about products now. We, we want to have a look back. Is the world crying out for the, the first scholar who utilised the sliding seat when he was rowing? Maybe. <laughs> That's, that's, that's the boys done the old uh, Oxford Cambridge race. What a shit name for a film as well. The boy in blue. Yeah, I think it's because he wore blue or something, or you know, that was the the colour he turned when he choked that boy in the movie. But <laughs> I'm looking at the poster. There. The guy he's rowing against looks like he's wearing navy blue as well. So it's not even like, like he doesn't stand out that much. I think if you look at the poster on Wikipedia, it's just like, and I'll have to say, like, Nicolas Cage in the 80s when he was doing a lot of independent movies, he was ripped. He was pretty jacked. Um, the poster was just him shirtless, ripped abs, uh, like pecs, uh, you know, biceps, just holding two dumbbells with some blue material wrapped around his head. Um, and I think, what, what does the tagline say? Winning comes easy since he had nothing to lose. Oh, so, I mean, that could be anything, couldn't it? That, it literally tells you nothing about yeah. that movie. <laughs> so. All right, I'll accept that then. All right, we're throwing out, we're throwing out the boy in blue, uh, just to clean up his his earlier work. Uh, what else would you chuck out? So we take that out, and then it's a fairly decent streak by all accounts. You can make an argument for a lot of things. Um, if I was looking, I mean, the, the intrusive thoughts part of my brain is like, but the memes, Daryl, but the memes, but it, my mind goes to 2014, which, you know, I say this as a huge cage fan, a huge cage defender. I don't know that 2014 was his best year. I would personally argue that for output 2014 is cage's worst year. Um, yeah, stinky, 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 stinky. Um, but one of the worst films I think I've ever seen was the um, Christian apocalypse thriller, and I'm going to use thriller very loosely here, called Left Behind. Um, 
very, very awful. Uh, it's basically there's a biblical apocalypse that happens. Half the population basically get Thanos snaps and just disappear. <laughs> um, Nicholas Cage just happens to be a pilot when this is all happening in the bloody sky. Lots of drama kicks off. Um, now, before you throw out this this film, it does throw out one of the great Nicholas Cage character names, Rayford Steele. Oh yes. <laughs> Rayford I mean, is not a name. <laughs> I mean, what it does give us is a great name. What it also gives us are just poorly written characters on a plane, all completely stereotypical, pointing out each of the stereotypes. Um, but this is based on what I sort of found at the recording. Um, I had sort of the comedian um, Alex Keeley sort of come on to talk about this episode as well. And this is actually based on somehow a very successful series of like christian books which have sold like millions yeah it's called the bible okay <laughs> maybe get one yeah that's the heathen in me that's the devil in me talking <laughs> um but his character um is like a, a very critical figure in these books they go on for ages now uh nicholas cage obviously didn't stick around for uh the sequel but I'll, I'll tell you this as a freebie. Um, Jamie, do you want to know who took over the role of Raymond Steele in the 2022 sequel? Uh, is it The Rock? Close. <laughs> it's motherfucking Kevin Sorbo. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hercules himself. Hercules himself, Mr. Kevin Sorbo. I have to watch both of these films now. Well, they, they made... Um, some kind of left behind movie in I don't know the nineties or something or the early two thousands, which obviously no one heard of. Um, but this one, it's got like I think he might also Kevin Sorbo might also have directed it. He fucking did. He directed it as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So it's a sequel to Left Behind. He Is it takes called Left Behind Two. Um, I wish it's called Left Behind: Rise of the Antichrist. Oh wow! So. Based on the 1995 uh, novel of the same name. So decent poster. I'd, you know, anyone who's listening, I'd uh, I'd tell you to look at the poster. But when you see that word director Kevin Sorbo, like we're we're in for a party now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was okay to stop at Hercules Sorbo. <laughs> there was no shame it's, in stopping at Hercules. It's quite fun to follow on Twitter, Kevin Sorbo, because he. He's constantly getting things wrong. He's the kind of guy who's like, COVID-19, well, why weren't we looking at the 18 other variations? Oh, <laughs> uh, what a treasure. Okay, so you're you're throwing out left behind. I'm gonna mm -hmm. I'm gonna throw out uh, this is a biggie, and you might not be happy with this. I'm gonna throw out Ghost Rider. Oh, uh, ah, okay. Because I think if we get rid of his Ghost Rider, that opens the door to someone making like a decent version of Ghost Rider. Maybe maybe we get like a Netflix 10 years ago, like when we get them good mm -hmm. Daredevils and a good Punisher. Maybe we, we get someone handling that. Yeah, I, I, can I, just, that. I just think there was a lot left on the table with Ghost Rider. Yeah. Um, I sort of talked about this in one of the, I can't remember if the, the, the first or second Ghost Rider episode I did. This is kind of this like obviously pre-MCU time where it was 
uh, like a Wild West. It was just whatever company could get whatever rights to whatever characters, and they were just trying to make a movie for the sake of making a movie. Yeah. This is when they all, I think like Fox just got all the big names, and there was no real reason for these movies to be made when you think about it, but like Nick Cage was there, he had abs, um, he ate sort of red and yellow sort of jelly beans. And yeah, it's it thank a producer going, oh shit, did you know we've got Ghost Rider? <laughs> like, oh fuck, like we, we, should, we should probably do something with this guy. <laughs> um, and then Nicholas Cage just happened to be there with um, suspiciously youthful looking hair. <laughs> I mean, his hair, his hair is great in Ghost Rider. I'll tell you, while we talk about Nick Cage here, I'll throw you my third worst one. Only because I went to cinema to see this piece of shit. It's Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, his, that's right. His hair in Bangkok Dangerous is, it's like it's doing something else. Yeah, I've sort of joked before that one day um, I should just make a definitive ranking of like, like worst to best Nicolas Cage hair in his movies. Um, and Bangkok Dangerous. Um, argues a terrific case for being the number one worst hair. Nicolas Cage, full-on uh, American Eagle, flapping wing, bird hair. Um, I mean, Bangkok Dangerous as well, that's one that I would potentially throw out there as one to be thrown out because yeah, it's it, a, just a significantly worse remake. It's one of the worst posters um, ever made. His arms in his leather jacket, and that just disappears. Um, his face is obviously photoshopped on. Um, it, it Bangkok. It, it feels like, do you know, because this was at the time where they were like, right, you have to pay these taxes, so you have to take every job. It felt like he wasn't paying the taxes quick enough, and they went, oh, also you, you have to have terrible hair in this one because it's like a like an extra punishment because he's not been paying them taxes back quick enough. Yeah, like, and and this is the hair you have to wear. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, he had that hair also for um. Uh, knowing or very similar hair, which is like knowing isn't a bad film. It's it's um, it just gets really weird towards the end, and then it was also uh, oh, what was the? I'm trying to think of it now. There's the the film where you can sort of see into the uh, future. Next, that's the one. I'm oh, next, of. yeah. <laughs> Not knowing, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, next was like a decent film that just ended really disappointingly. But I was like. This is one of the things, the detective who can see like a little bit into the future, like if that's so Raven was a detective movie or detective <laughs> series, like there's, there's something in that. I think there's like a good hook in that. Um, oh, I, I think because I I think we, we've been ragging on our boy, shall we Shall we move to the our best three, our top three? Oh God, an even more difficult choice. This is one that uh, changes with the seasons, changes with the winds. Um, so I've I've moved around on mine just to because obviously like I, I the the tripod as I say of the the face off the rock and Conair is like that's really important to me just as as a kind of an achievement. But, but I've, I've so I've gone I've gone one action film, one acting film, and one family film. I thought that covers it best. Like that the the different stages of Cage. If you ignore the straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so for my action, I've gone face off. I just out of all his action films, that's that's the one that I return to. I think everyone's at the top of the game, and also when you look at like 
in Conor, he's acting against Malkovich, but I feel like Malkovich is kind of phoning it in a bit. In uh, in The Rock, he's acting against Connery, but Connery again is like very serious. Face off, yeah. he's going against like prime Travolta, and it's the both of them absolutely crushing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always a difficult one to pick sort of a favorite out of the three because it always moves around. Um, but having just uh, Travolta doing like full cage, um, and just my my favorite Travolta cageism is him just. Uh, you know, a bit on the nose, but facing off with him for the first time when the SWAT faces in the prison. And he's mm. like, you're going to be in here for the next hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you good looking? <laughs> <laughs> just, just John Travolta, just having, I think both of them were just like snorting coke out of each other's ass. That's and the only way that makes sense <laughs> for me. It's the only huge Hollywood blockbuster that raises the question, did they swap penises? How did they handle the penis conundrum? How I mean, did how did the wife not recognise it was a different penis? How how did his brother not you know we all know our brother's penis? How did <laughs> the brother not know the penis? What happened? I mean, you know, we've all shook our friends at the uh, the urinals just to, <laughs> just to give a helping hands. But this is this is the question: like, you come home to a spaghetti dinner, also with a bright red lobster cooked for you, and another man's <laughs> penis attached to your husband's body. Um, have you been that? Have you been sort of that stifled emotionally that you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this one a pass. This, this is fine tonight. This, <laughs> this is fine. Well, that's why the film should have been called Penis Off, so that we got to the answer of that question. <laughs> or, or penis, Penis Off, then back on. And <laughs> um, so, what in your top three? Then what, what have you got? Um, I think I have to put for one of mine again oh god it's always so difficult so i know what's going to happen is i'm going to give you three we're going to stop recording and i'm going to think oh, i should have <laughs> should have should have picked this one instead that's when he's going to contact you and be like you fucking chose this how dare you it's like you absolute bum um i think i'd i'd be remiss not to put sort of like uh, a more recent one pig on there from 2021 hmm. um because it, it, i've said it before i'll say it again this is the one that should have had a nomination I know he was sort of maybe in some like long list talk. He was in like the Hollywood Report or like round table where all these like roles are bringing people sort of back to the fore. Um, and it's just a great sort of beautiful, um, nuanced sort of sensitive performance. And uh, again, to sound like a broken record, it's one of those movies you show people when you remind them that Nicolas Cage is objectively a really fucking good actor. Um, and at the best of times, when I watch movies, I'm just an emotional rock of a man. I just, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I get that this is sad. It takes like a lot for me to sort of really feel feelings, but without sort of giving it away when you get that reveal at the end and he sort of falls to his knees and stuff. And I was like, for a second, I was like, oh no. Uh, and it When nearly- you find out that he was the pig all along. <laughs> when, when you find out that... Um, you know, the pig was his lover. Um, <laughs> and the truffles were the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and then he just wakes up in, in bed next to his pig in a wig. The pig says, <laughs> you were screaming, honey. Is everything all right? <laughs> Trotter on the face, just shushing him over the lips. Um, and it becomes a musical, big musical dance-off section. <laughs> it takes a huge swing at the end that really yeah. pays off. And you realise it's been in the step-up universe the whole time. <laughs> oh, and then they yeah. both um, go to their garage 
uh, tape up their windows and put like a pipe in from the exhaust. (laughs) 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 Huge, huge swing. So my my acting cage, uh, we haven't discussed this one yet. I think it's really underrated though. It's a Ridley Scott one called Matchstick Men. Yes. Where he he has he has OCD in it, which you'd you'd think like, oh no, Nicholas Cage is going to do an OCD person, so this is going to be like wildly offensive. This is going to be like Sean Penn, I am Sam levels of you've you've not understood the assignment here. But I think he's great, and I think it, like the whole film works. It it was an absolute gut punch the first time I watched it. I won't spoil it because I'd recommend watching it to anyone who hasn't seen it. But there's a couple of like just absolute kicks to your stomach. Mm-hmm. from this film and he he really does some some interesting stuff in it and it's it's kind of subdued cage mm-hmm. yeah it's it was one of those when i when i sort of watched it and i sort of read the blurb like nicholas cage plays an ocd and in the back of my head i was kind of like oh jesus here we go <laughs> here we go but the, the, like it was like quite like a like a respectful and sensitive performance yeah. of like OCD, it wasn't over the top. Um, it kind of it raised that level of dread. Like if you read the back of someone who's like Nicholas Cage discovers he's half Jamaican, and, so, and you're like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Nick, Nicholas Cage in Cool Runnings. <laughs> um, but it's 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 a it's a really really good movie. Um, another one of those where I just don't think people um, really talk about it enough. Mm. So I think we've just recently come past at the time of recording like the 20 year anniversary of this movie as well um and it's it's another one of his movies that's really quite slept on but deserved uh yeah uh, a lot more i I think people don't want ridley scott doing films where stuff isn't either blowing up or people getting eaten yeah yeah we like to pigeonhole people Uh, what what about uh what's your what's your second to go in for best three Seconds, um, I think you'd probably have to put in, uh, if not face off, then Connor. Uh, Connor, I think, even if you're not talking top three, maybe in top five, there's always mm. an argument that Connor has to be in the top five. Um, because it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of a film that just works, it's just like. Uh, criminals on a plane this is you know um this film crawled so snakes on a plane could run <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it it shouldn't work connor should not work it's you know it's awful it's got some like really horrific characters that don't belong in a fun action film uh it it makes like a hero out of steve buscemi's uh serial killer who like his arc is that he doesn't kill a little girl at a caravan site, <laughs> even though they they say that he like beheaded someone and rode across three states with wearing their head as like a hat or something. <laughs> I mean, they they outright tell you that he's the worst of the worst on that plane, and yet he's there just like being very rhetorical and articulate, like. Watch the definition of insanity. <laughs> Everyone's like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" And then he doesn't kill that girl, and he kind of like, I don't know how much. And then he like at the end, he's in like a casino or something. Yeah, it's it's the tag that makes you be like, "Oh yeah, you got away." It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> I guess. Well, I'm I'm glad you threw Connor in there because it, it hurt me a bit to not 
put Conair in in my top three. So I'm glad oh, like wow. that's kind of covered uh, with you. And then I'll I'll throw you my my last one, which absolutely nobody would ever choose to put in their best three. Nicholas Cage's, but just just my family film. It's the one that showed that he could do a Jimmy Stewart if he wanted to. It's the Family Man. Oh, <laughs> directed by Brett Ratner, <laughs> who Google Brett Ratner and then accusations. <laughs> which was the the director of Rush Hour, Rush Hour Two, and Rush oh, Hour yeah. Three. Um, but there's something about the Family Man that just worked for me. I like it's like again, it's it's him, it's him being like he's a millionaire at the start and he's he's kind of taking it up to eleven. And then slowly, he kind of, you, it's it's kind of it's it's a it's a riff on it's a wonderful life, the Family Man, where instead of seeing what life would be like without him, it's seeing what would his life have been if he'd um, stayed with Tealioni and uh, and had raised a family. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, 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 like anybody who lives in the suburbs, it's weird because the first the first half of the film is just, oh god, the absolute worst thing you can do in life is have kids and a wife and then he kind of he realizes that he likes that lifestyle he fall he falls for them and then it gets taken away from him um, yeah. and what's what's really dark about this film is that like you think like most magical films like this it's it's that it's it, you'd get the happy ending of he gets the kids back and he gets the the life back that he, he decides he wanted no that all goes so then he, he races to see tia leone at the airport and he's like can we just have a chat erasing the children like the children that you like there's a really cute little girl in there who you like fall for she's a great performance and the film at the end is like now nah, she's gone she's absolutely destroyed from existence <laughs> she's trapped in like just <laughs> yeah. the, the void between <laughs> life and death just stuck somewhere with like a stephen king tommy knocker style uh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't this the one where like don Cheel just turns up as a just unexplained kind of ghost guy um is like oh have you have you thought about having sex once in a while it's like oh yeah that sounds that sounds good but it's it's just a, a harrowing story of how uh the nuclear family can destroy your ambitions because yeah. <laughs> he, he is a very successful businessman who decides oh do you know what i like um early starts and being stressed oh and they do they do the the one of my favorite. I do love this film, but one of my favorite cliches that they do is he makes people come in on Christmas Eve to oh, work, and then no. you're like, "Oh, what a bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Yeah. And like one of one of his workers does like the it's, it, it's Christmas Eve. Can we not go home to our families? And he's like, "How dare you, you piece of shit!" And it's like, "Oh, you've taken this from Scrooge, I think." <laughs> I think one one of my favourite sort of slept on bits of that movie where I think it's the family member is is in the kitchen and they've got that chocolate cake and they're just chasing each other around for chocolate cake. He's like, "You've got the chocolate cake, I want it," <laughs> and he peeps around the corner and goes, "Ta-da!" I was like, "This is actually quite horrifying." I feel like that, like they just ran the cameras, like that was just Nicholas Cage into react, like interacting with Tealioni. Nicky hungry. <laughs> it's like a cake from a, one of the grips that they were like this will this will help you relax nick don't worry <laughs> <laughs> it's full of horse trank <laughs> uh, all right then daryl what is your what is your number one then in the in the best three oh so again very difficult because i was 
again, this will change the second we start recording. I was torn between three, so I'm going to be very cheeky and do honourable mentions. It's National which, Treasure too, isn't it? <laughs> it is GeForce. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Adaptation is like a fan, I think one of the best films of like the 2000s yeah. for me. Um, incredible Nicolas Cage performance. Uh, another one of my personal favorite Nicolas Cage movies is The Weatherman, um, because I think it's one of his sort of best comedies. So sort of, it's very um, subtle, very sort of well done. Um, it tells like a good story, but I think one that I have to go for, and I think I'd, I'm almost contractually obliged to say it, and I sort of touched on this earlier because if you didn't get his performance in this, you wouldn't get. Cage performances in later movies that help him become the man we know and love today. Uh, I think I've got to say, I think I've got to put Vampire's Kiss up there. Oh, yes. Um, it's just, um, it should be preserved in museums. It should be a, a in the Criterion collection. It's a travesty that it isn't. And then it's not had like a Blu-ray release already. Um, so I think we need to campaign for the Blu-ray re-release of Vampire's Kiss because I'm, I'm sick of Hollywood getting away with this. Absolute <laughs> cowards. Full commentary by Cage. <laughs> well, if you, I think if you get the DVD, and he doesn't do this often, he did actually provide a commentary for Vampire's Kiss, um, which is like, if you can't find it, I think there's a website that did like, oh, here are like the highlights of the commentary, hmm. but it's just him and the director just basically for the whole commentary going, we have no fucking idea what we were doing. Um yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that if without Vampire's Kiss, YouTube is not as successful a channel because of those little <laughs> clips that you push. Yeah, like, yeah, 2005 YouTube, you're welcome. Mm, I'm glad you made that choice. Like, uh, I thought maybe you go for like a coward's choice of just one of his biggest, like biggest blockbusters. But no, it's it's the most cagiest film, isn't it? Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, it's it's up there with the cagiest of the cagey movies. And like I say, in his repertoire of movies, um, it's just a very important historical text as well um, that give us an insight into his, his process, his workings, his physicality, uh, the caginess that would come. Mm. Um, and again, very, very importantly, without that, you wouldn't get face off. So yeah, it's, it's the Rosetta stone of cage. It's, it, it, it helps <laughs> understand. It was, uh, go. it was a biblical figure sort of on the mountain, giving the readings down to the uh, apostles down below. I would love to see a Moses Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> he gave me these stones. Ah. <laughs> Bart the fucking Red Sea. <laughs> I fucking yeah. <laughs> All right, so um we'll we'll go we'll go in a minute, but just before before I let you go, uh, you have to stay with me forever now, Dal. Um <laughs> we're, we're gonna play the quick scenario game, uh, which we're famous for across across the world. Mm-hmm. Where I'm gonna I'm gonna give you four scenarios, and I just need you to tell me which Nicolas Cage character would be best suited in each of these scenarios. So, um, and you can't reuse a, a Cage character once you've once you've burnt it up. Okay. Um. All right. So scenario one: Which Nicolas Cage character would be best to break into your house and take away the Christmas presents because your kids have been little shits that year? <laughs> so Grinch Cage. Um, <laughs> Quite possibly because this character is one who is used to getting in and out with big objects in sixty seconds. Memphis Reigns. Oh, nice! 
Yeah, and he's he's got that moral like he's you know he's he's okay stealing. He's got a moral compass. He can justify. It. He can look your crying son in the eye and say, "Get right, Jimmy." Yeah. Oh, perfect choice. All right. So, second scenario: Which Nicolas Cage character would you have sit underneath a table and help cheat a hot cheat? Uh, you win a hot dog eating competition. Oh, what a hot dog eating competition! Um, right. Who's got an appetite? Who's got an appetite? That is the question. I am tempted to say, for risk of, well, I'm going to, maybe a cheat answer, I'm going to say Johnny Blaze, because he can just fucking destroy that glizzy under the table. Oh, nice. They're going to ask, like, why is your crotch on fire? And I'll say, shut up, give me hot dog. But then if Johnny Blaze touched you, he'd see that your sin is cheating at a hot dog eating competition and might steal your soul. I don't know where, where he rides on, like, what is against God and what is just, like, a little bit of a faux pas. I mean, in God's eyes, everything is punishable by death. So, <laughs> so you, win, you win the hot dog eating competition, but also your soul is damned forever. Worth, uh, it. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which, which Nicolas Cage character would you help plan a stag do for your proper football mates and his dickhead mates? Oh, who's going to be an absolute stag lad? There's a question. I, oh, think... I think I know. I think I know the one I'm drawn to, like who's going to put on like a banging stag. We're going to, you have to get to bring all the troops together. Cause you've got to meet the other. It's like meeting the other side of the family. It's like, oh, you don't think you're going to like them. You realize that your friend's got two friendship groups. Um, and he acts completely different around you than he does a fucking big Gary down the, uh, down the stadium. Um, if there's one character, I think pull off a stag though. I think I'd probably have to say Castor Troy. Yes. Yeah, perfect. He's got a jet plane. He's got loads of drugs. Yeah. I mean, he's a terrorist, sure, but that means he'll get on with those dickhead mates. <laughs> exactly. We're playing both sides. Yeah, and also there's a good chance that those people will get shot in like a, the crossfire as well, so you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, final, uh, final scenario. Which Nicolas Cage character would you get to break the news to EasyJet passengers that they're going to be in the airport for another 48 hours? <laughs> I mean, it's surely it's got to be um, our, our boy Rayford Steele. <laughs> because he, he's already a pilot. He's used to it. Um, he's used to being in the air. He's used to being on the ground. And also cheating on his wife. So an extra hour is nothing to him. Nice. And also it means that we get to preserve the memory of Rayford Steele. A little bit longer with his fucking YouTube concert tickets in his pocket as well. Oh, well, cheers. Uh, thanks very much for that, mate. So, uh, Daryl Edge, thanks for, for joining us this week. And, and what a week it's been in the past news. I'm sure if people Google all the things that have happened. Um, have you got anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah, I can't believe all those things did and did not happen. Um <laughs> So, yeah, two podcasts from me. The first, uh, very on brand for this episode, I am the host of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast in which I am joined in each episode by a delightful guest to cover the body of work of the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood, Nicholas Cage, on my personal journey to true Cage Nirvana. Uh, Mr. Jamie Ellerton has been a previous guest on the Drive Angry episode uh, where I believe we talk all about the Chad Kroger haircut and uh, the 3D scene. Coming back. Only, 
<laughs> it's coming back, baby. It was the 3D fight scene that could only have been improved by cum. Uh, that'll, that'll make sense in the episode, maybe. Um, Any Nicolas Cage film can be improved with cum. <laughs> you heard it here first. I endorse that message. Uh, so that is on all the usual streaming platforms. You can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. I'm on TikTok at cage rage pod uh, and Instagram cage rage pod as well. And also have a new venture. It is called Getting Defoe You, where me and my fellow Cage podcasting brethren, Mr. Petros Batsilovas, have joined forces to look at all the highs, all the lows, and all things Willem Defoe in a dedicated Willem Defoe podcast. Uh, at the point of recording, we have finished our first season, so we've got um, 11 episodes out, 12 if you count the wrap-up as well, um, where we're looking at... A lot of good stuff there. We've got our second season in the works. Very excited to get that underway. So you can find us on all the usual social medias at Pod and get into you and all your streaming platforms of choice as well. Oh, exciting stuff. Oh, cheers for, cheers for coming on, mate. Thank and you very uh, much for having me. What a pleasure. We're launching the Defoe Pod. And, uh, yeah. and have, a, have a wonderful week. I'll see you, mate. Bye. Bye-bye.